Can we walk this road together? I can't travel it alone. I need someone beside me to help me find my way back Hello, this is Dan Prinzen, Executive Director of the Wasma Center for Human Rights in Boise with Adam Thompson. Hey there. Welcome to Voices of Idaho. Today, Adam and I are having a conversation. Let's talk about the memorial. Right. So, Dan, I know that the memorial was dedicated to the public in 2002. But what's the history there? That's a great question, Adam, because it really speaks to who and what we are as a community. Well, I had to give you a little bit of a history lesson to leading up to the building of the memorial. We have to go back to the late 1970s and 80s, a time when Idaho was known more as a haven for hate rather than for our potatoes. It was a time when the Aryan compound existed in North Idaho. Aryan compound, though never large in number, had garnered a lot of media attention. Mm-hmm. The compound had reframed what it meant to live in Idaho. Sure. Jump ahead, 1993. There's a proposition on the ballot. It is an anti-gay initiative. We saw local citizens enraged that an act of hate would be put on ballot. Hmm. That was Proposition 1. They became known as No on 1. It's when they actually coined the tag that we end every episode with, not in my town, not in my state. Idaho is too great for hate. Proposition 1 was defeated at the ballot. 1995, there's an exhibit traveling the United States. The then executive director of the Human Rights Commission, Marilyn Schuler, was contacted, did we want to bring this exhibit to Boise? Anne Frank in the world. It was a pricey exhibit, so Marilyn did what we all do in nonprofit work. She reached out and fundraised, meeting with businesses, community leaders, individuals, to bring the exhibit to town for one month in 1995. In that month's time, 40,000 people came to the exhibit. Obviously, something in Anne Frank's story resonated. The Wasmuth Center for Human Rights was originally founded in 1996. We hmm. were founded to construct a memorial to human rights. We were founded based on the seeds that had been planted by that exhibit about Anne Frank. I think in many respects, our founding mothers recognized the impact, not only that exhibit had, but it was the impact of Anne's diary. It was the power of her words. It was her hope for humanity. Well, it took seven years of fundraising. As you said, the memorial was dedicated or open to the public in 2002. It was a lot of work to fundraise for an idea. What was a memorial to human rights going to be? 
but I think it, it speaks to really our shared values because the memorial was not built by the city, nor was it built by the state. It was built by a community of individuals, businesses, and foundations who entrusted an education center to build a statement that would become a counter-narrative that Idaho was a place of hate. We'll be right back. The music will live on And we'll always sing along Letting love So Dan, the memorial's right on the Green Belt, right on the edge of downtown Boise. Obviously, it's a great place for com- for people to come and visit. What is the main use of the memorial today? It is a gathering place. If we look at even just the events of the last couple of years, whenever there is a national act of injustice, be it a piece of legislation or policy, be it a hate crime. The memorial has become a gathering place to hold a vigil, to begin or end a march, a place where the community can gather and feel safe. And we continue to echo whatever it occurred, that's not us. That's not who we are. That's not what we stand for as a people. It is also that place that you see on any given day, folks coming either alone or in families just to be in the space. I get amazed when I just watch the sheer numbers passing through each day and where they will stop to pause. What are they reading? What are they doing in this space? And frankly, Adam, if I need a real feel-good, if I'm having a rough day, Mm -hmm. I read the reviews on TripAdvisor. Yeah. Because that is the impact of what the memorial means to be. It's that unexpected. Folks that are visiting Boise, Idaho, did not expect to find the only Anne Frank Memorial in the United States. (laughs) Did not expect to step into a space that has is one of the few places in the world where the entire text of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights is on public display and did not expect to find an international site of conscience. And I love how they review being in that space, what it said, how it caught them. And just as the physical site itself, what is the memorial's impact? And that's, you know, so varies with the audiences that we see. I think we can start talking, first of all, just the numbers. Mm -hmm. 
we're giving free docent led tours to over 10,000 students a year. Wow. So those are K-12 and university undergraduate students who are coming for a content time. It's not a field trip. It's a content session led by our volunteer docents. I always tease the docents. The Latin word for docent means educator. They are teachers. <laughs> they are our teachers in our classroom of the memorial. Parks and Recreation also estimates that another 350 people interact in the memorial every day. So that means over 120,000 people come and spend time within the memorial each year. That's why we're rated number three on TripAdvisor on things to do when you come to Boise. Not to offend our audience, but we do beat the blue turf on things to do when you come to Boise. But when we talk about the impact, I also see that now in the groups that are reserving the space, you cannot reserve the memorial. It's a public park. But within that, groups are now reserving the Marilyn Schuler Classroom for Human Rights. Mm -hmm. So we're getting business groups, civic groups, education groups, reserving that space for special programming. They may want a tour for their group. I gave a tour uh, a couple of weeks ago. We had 45 representatives from an organization scattered nationally. Mm -hmm. They were all in town for two days of meetings. They came to the memorial. I gave a full tour. Then we had a special reception in the Marilyn Schuler classroom for them to talk about WASMA Center programming, to talk about the spiral of injustice, to talk about being an upstander. That is consistently happening week after week now as groups are reaching out. They, as a group, want to be associated in and with the memorial. I so appreciate when we get businesses that are coming and say, we want our employees or our leadership teams or our board of directors to come to the memorial to get a sense of this is who and what Boise is. That's an impact statement. Mm -hmm. That is reframing a narrative. That is telling folks we are far more than the history of our state. It is the contemporary influence of why there is a memorial to human rights in Boise and the role that it has in shaping a conversation. I think what I really love, going back to you saying that it's rated as the third most popular trip destination here, is that no longer are we seen as the place with the Aryan Nation compound. No longer are we seen as the place trying to get Prop 1 passed. You know, it's interesting. We had a group this summer. These were folks from a variety of national businesses or convention centers located mm -hmm. around the country. They come to Boise as a destination to look for potential. Could they bring a business here for a convention? Mm. And uh, the Boise Convention Bureau always includes uh, time for visiting teams when they come in in the memorial. They want them to see that. I was talking from with one woman. She was from New York. Person of color. She said before getting here, she already knew in her mind she would never be bringing a convention to Boise, Idaho. <laughs> she had already determined that its demographics were not going to appeal to her audiences. <laughs> and she said, frankly, it's too many flight connections to get here. Mm -hmm. So she had already made up her mind. 
But she had to pull me aside after coming to the memorial. She said I was wrong. She said, having seen the memorial, having been here in person, witnessed the community and what the memorial represents in and of the community, she said, this is a prime spot mm-hmm. for bringing. She said, I'll be bringing folks to Boise, Idaho. Well, that's the impact. This is the statement that is reframing who and what we are. Yeah. So I like to say, yeah, we are the home of the Idaho and Frank Human Rights Memorial. And there's a real good reason why we're the home. Yeah. Dan, what quote in the Anne Frank Human Rights Memorial resonates with you today? Well, I, Adam, on this one, I have to go back to a quote by one of our founding mothers. It's etched into the stone right at the 8th Street entrance to the memorial by Reverend Dr. Nancy S. Taylor. May the Idaho Anne Frank Human Rights Memorial stand as a tribute to Anne Frank's memory as a warning to any who would dare trespass upon the freedoms of others, and as an inspiration to all whose lives are devoted to love, respect, understanding, peace, and goodwill among the totality and diversity of the human family. May this memorial inspire each of us to contemplate the moral implications of our civic responsibilities. Nancy had so captured that is what the memorial is. That is the impact that it has. And that is why with the voices of Idaho, we will continue to echo, not in my town, not in my state, Idaho is too great for hate. With you right here beside me, we'll find our home with peace. I really appreciate it. I, for example, I went to a lunch and I work with somebody. I just see him at meetings here and there. And I said something about my wife and he said, I didn't know you had a wife. And I said, yeah. And he said, cool. And we moved on. And he, he just learned something about me that day. Mm-hmm. And that to me was, a, that's even just a change. That's we, end of conversation. And I'm happy for that. I'm happy that, you know, you don't have to walk into a room of a, of a high-level community meeting and wonder, should I identify? Mm-hmm. You just are. Right, I just am. And you're an employee? Mm-hmm, right. And all the various hats that we as individuals wear, right. you get to bring all of them to the table. Right. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Wasman Center Podcast. That last clip was from Danielle Crapo. Her story will be airing next week, September 23rd, so tune in then to listen to her story. Thanks.